What's up, guys? It's the Mid Combo Podcast with Paul and Ed, and we are in Miami in my dining room with a special guest, Aya, and uh, we're going to get into a lot today. But first, Ed, what do you think we're going to talk about? Yeah, so Aya is a filmmaker director based in Bulgaria. She actually traveled 12 hours just to be on this podcast episode. Come on. So y'all better listen up. We're about to drop some gems. But also, we apologize in advance for some of the audio differences today. Like we got Aya on the nice podcast microphone. I'm rocking like a gaff taped road lab right now. And then Paul is rocking like a Sennheiser lab. But, you know, we really wanted to make this podcast episode happen. So we figured we would hop on the mics. So let's roll intro music. All right, I first want to start this episode by shouting out our sponsors, Ed. Ourselves? <laughs> yeah, guys, actively looking for sponsors, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. We're here to talk about Aya. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. I actually told Ed yesterday that I've been listening to that podcast since 2020. So it's really a full circle moment. I've been looking up to you both for a lot of time now. So really, thank you. That's awesome. Yo, that's a day one. That's cool. She's a day one limited combo listener. That's good. Yep. So filmmaker based out of Bulgaria. You're also a director. Um, I first want to hear a little bit about your story. Like what got you to almost where you're at? If you can like sum it up in, in like a little bit here. Okay. Well, yeah, it's a uh, long story short. I got into photography when I was in high school. I was like 16, I think. And there was this photography club that was there so you can stay after hours. And um, I was so interested. Like the first time I saw like DSLR, I got the Canon T3, Rebel T3R or something like that. Okay, yeah, that was Rebel. That's, uh, that's Paul's current camera. Get out of here. So yeah, I was basically, I used that to travel a lot around the country doing different workshops, like attending different workshops. And uh, I was photographing like landscapes and stuff. So. Hey. so yeah, nothing, you know, really interesting. Um, and after that, I actually uh, studied architecture in Germany. So during that time, I was doing basically nothing with photography, although my heart was added. And I like in the in my free time, I would, um, you know, watch so many YouTube videos. And, you know, during that time on Instagram, all the content creators were, do were doing a lot of travel and, you know, that kind of era. So I really wanted to do that. And I saw someone who went to New York and flew on those helicopters that are doors off. Yeah. And I got obsessed with that idea. And That's I was cool. like, I want to go there and do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> architecture. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. And uh, after three years there, I was actually, I found some work at a bar, and I hate bars, um, photographing drunk people and also a couple of weddings. Yeah. And, but this wasn't exactly the type of, you know, content I wanted to pursue. So, anyways, I told my parents, look, I want to study filmmaking. And they took it hard. But they were like, okay, can you, like, what's the, what's your idea? And I was like, I found this university in California. I want to try and transfer there. It didn't happen. Like, it didn't work out. I had, for one month, I prepared the whole portfolio and documents, but it was just pretty expensive. So it didn't happen. And it kind of really shook me and broke me. I was a bit depressed then because I hated my life in Germany, honestly. 
And I was, I told them, look, give me one year. I want to come back to Bulgaria and just try to, to do this thing. I have no idea what exactly is going to happen, but just, I want to try. And, um, me and my dad had a lot of arguments on that. My mom was, you know, kind of in the middle, but it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, actually a bit before that, I went to this conference in, uh, in Canada where Sam Calder and Chelsea Kawaii oh, and cool. Rene Romings, you know, influence. I, I don't want to call them influences, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so creators from that range were there. And I managed to do some personal, to connect per, on a personal level, because actually Chelsea, she studied architecture as well, and she uh, then tra- transferred to something else. And I really related with her on mm-hmm. that. So we became good friends. She invited me to Hawaii and we kept in touch. And she was like, do you want to work with me? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. This would be my dream. That's huge. Yeah. And in 2020, I was supposed to be working for her. We were supposed to be traveling to Saudi Arabia at the start of the year. And then, boom. Oh, man. And again, all my dreams were kind of shattered. And it was a very hard year. Like, I had no work because... I was still learning this whole craft. So, and I got back to Bulgaria. I took like a free year off university. And um, I watched all the courses and I read all the books I could find on the topic because I really wanted to learn. Um, So that was that year. And I did a couple of, you know, passion projects just to be able to show something to potential clients. And, you know, working for free, that's, you know, you know it. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually it was 2021 that started, you know, um, work started picking up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey. I think I'm curious, like how long have you been the title of a filmmaker slash director? Cause I think Um, people will look at your portfolio and be like, stay. Yeah. We'll link your website in the description. You guys check it out. Um, and I just want to shout out that, like, your attention to detail, your work's insane. And that's kind of why you're on the podcast. Thank it's you. Because I know we have listeners that are maybe even videographers or photographers that want to work with big teams or want to work on big projects or might want to, they're maybe an aspiring filmmaker. Like, how many years have you been, like, pursuing it? So I started pursuing it as a, you know, from business standpoint from, like, three years now. But uh, the title, like I was firstly photographer and filmmaker and film director kind of happened last year. And I still feel weird, you know, calling myself that um, because, you know, I'm self-taught. I don't have like a degree. So how am I that? So wow. anyways, but you have to fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. Um, but I did have the opportunity to direct some pretty big projects, which was... um incredible and you're basically learning as you go because no matter how many like courses or youtube content you watch like experience is the best uh, teacher Mm. so you just have to put yourself out there and um having a great crew at the film set really helps because you kind of see what everyone is doing and you're learning from that so okay can you name a few of the bigger projects that you really enjoyed i don't know if you're like allowed to talk about them after the fact but can you name some brands or projects you've done yes of course um so i think the biggest one i did last year was for corona it's um short branded documentary 
uh, called One with the Elements. And it's about a girl who is a paraglider and a glass artist. And the art she creates, she observes, like, the, she gets the inspiration uh, flying, you know, um, on a... Paragliding. Like paragliding, yes. That's cool. And uh, I actually pitched three different ideas to them because they were, like, on my list for like a year and I really really wanted to work with them and uh, the other two were more like surf related but uh, they were because that's most of the content that they're putting out but they were like we want the one with the paragliding that's like so So unique we've never heard a story like that so we kind of made it happen and actually the story is about um, a very good friend of mine who actually uh, is also my employee in, um, in the production company I work with so she's a producer, but she also has this cool story, and we were like, "Let's do it." <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. How much? How much time do you spend on like three treatments for a pitch to like a brand like Corona? A lot of time. Yeah. Honestly, sometimes like ideas just show up in my head, and I'll just uh, write them down in a notebook. And when I see a brand that maybe um, has some, you know, share some similar values that we can connect to that idea, and I would write the treatment and, you know, find the contacts, send them to them. But there are a lot of ideas I have that are just collecting dust in mm-hmm. Canva. <laughs> hey, Canva, though. Yeah, that's real, though. Yeah, so it's hard sometimes. I've tried to separate myself um, from the emotion I might feel for a certain idea just because I don't want it to hurt every time. But it's kind of like you're applying for a job interview every single time and you don't have that stability of, you know, just getting the job and you're doing that your whole life. It's just a roller coaster every time. (laughs) What do you feel like then keeps you like coming back you know like it is a roller coaster and like you're always making new decks and you're always trying to land new clients a lot of people might look at that and like wow that's not that's tiring or that's exhausting but obviously you love doing it so can you explain a little bit like where you find your fuel to continue doing that that's a very good question um well i'd say if i didn't have the passion for that i would never do it like um Honestly, that, that's the answer, passion, because I'm working a lot, especially when I'm back home. I kind of, you know, close myself in this creative bubble and I'm in my office every day up until midnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I go back to sleep at home and then I go back to the office. So it's nothing, it's not fun. Yeah. Like I don't do fun projects every day, you know, be on set, experience that whole thing that we're all craving, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of work that no one sees so that you're able to do a couple of those bigger projects. Um, well, that's cool. I think there's probably people that are trying to connect the dots because it's, I think it's unheard of to have um, the breadth of work that you've been able to take on and create. Cause like some of it's personal projects, but some of it's like brand commercial um, and the amount of time that you've been a filmmaker slash director. Um, I want to go back to that for a second because I feel like you mentioned you're like it's weird saying that I'm a filmmaker and it's weird like owning that that I'm a director because I feel like as I've been growing as a photographer in the space of like health wellness and fitness there was so many years where I thought you know am I a professional photographer like or you know what am I am I an editorial am I a lifestyle am I a producer like who is going to give me those who's going to like coin that term for me Uh uh, 
Like, am I the one that does it based on my credibility? So I think that's like a huge thing that freelancers struggle with is trying to figure out what to put in their Instagram bio. Um, it's like, am I the director? Am I the filmmaker? Am I the videographer? What am I? Uh, but I, I'll just say right now that like based on your work and like your experience, you 100% are like a director and filmmaker because I know that there's people that are going to listen to this podcast and watch it on YouTube and probably have a lot of questions for you that are aspiring to be kind of where you're at. So Thank yeah, you. it's incredible. You have, um, you said you have two production companies. So you have one in Bulgaria mm -hmm. and then you also have one in New York. Yeah. Can you, I'm, I'm like super actually interested in that and curious. Can you explain that structure a bit? Like, do you have an office in New York that with people putting together treatments and decks and going on set or can you, can you give us a little on the behind the scenes? For sure. Um, so I did start a company in Bulgaria, but um, I did that for um, 2021. And I would work through that, but mo most of my clients are actually either American or Canadian. I also have some you know, from Israel, China. So it doesn't really make sense for the company to be situated in Bulgaria. And mostly because a lot of people haven't heard about the country and they have um, kind of wrong perception about it. Like everything Eastern Europe is just Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, <laughs> Americans, man, we're always like, yeah, totally. it's just Russia over there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, some brands kind of treat you like, for example, I've heard, like I'm saying I'm from Bulgaria. And then later in the conversation, they're like, oh, are you going to shoot this in Belgium? And I'm like, what? Uh -huh. um, and also they give you smaller budgets because you're not based in the States. So oh, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. They assume, you know, everything is cheaper there. Yeah. And um, I hate that, honestly, and it's been a really great struggle. So because on top of that, that I'm a female filmmaker, I'm also coming from a country that no one has ever heard of. And you have to educate people and it just gets complicated. Mm. So I was like, okay, I have a lot of, you know, friends, connections in, uh, in the US. Um, so I want to be able to, you know, come here and do certain projects, um, but then I'm not allowed because of my passport. Um, so I talked with an immigration lawyer about what we can do. And there is this investor visa. It's called an E2 that you can apply for. And it's crazy. Like when I, when he told me the numbers that you have to invest, it's between 50 and 100,000 US dollars so that you're able to start a business, you know, get it going, make wow. it marginal. And it can go towards your business. Yes, it has to, oh, um, no. but you have to spend it. You have to like invest the money in the States to get that yes. working visa. Wow. You basically crazy. pay for Yeah, you basically have to pay document. 50 to 100 grand to get here to exactly. work. Exactly. So it's been an unfair start. You know, people who are born here, they just get to open an LLC and, you know, start. <laughs> and then I have to get 100 grand. Like, wow. how does that happen? Um, I'm still in the process, probably, you know, applying next month because the documents are so many but um i struggled with that a lot because like the first step is to open a company then you have to open a bank account but in order to open a bank account you have to come here and they don't really look at you very well when you again don't hold a u.s passport they ask you a ton of questions are you going to laundry money mm -hmm. and i'm like what they're like i'm just trying to make movies <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um i had a 
I had a great issue with that because yeah. um, I actually managed to open the bank account. But then when I got back to Bulgaria, uh, they called me from the bank and they said, your address is fake. Wow. Uh, and it, it's not. It's like, so you asked me actually. It's a PO box or something? It's actually a Regis office. Oh, so cool. Uh, you can go like a co-working space. You can go from there. You can use that address for yeah, your, totally. your business, but it's not mine. Like I, it's not a lease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, they said no, and I'm calling my lawyer, but they don't want to talk with me on the phone. So I'm emailing them back and forth for three hours um, because, um, like, I'm shaking. I don't know what to do. I just went to New York to open that, and nothing. Yeah. And you can't go forward. Without yeah. that. And for three hours, uh, they're explaining me over email that they won't uh, accept a call with me because this is business advice and they don't give out business advice. Anyways, after all, I managed to talk with them. They were very rude and disrespectful yeah. and I'm paying them so much money. Like, can't you just help me out? And I was honestly on the ground crying um, after that call because it was extremely arrogant and rude. Like, it belittled me, like, those are your decisions. We don't care. We can help you. So, yeah, it was very frustrating. Wow. And I was just like, okay, you have to um, suck it in and continue. So, for the next few days, I was just researching online like crazy. What can I do? And there was, it's very limited the information that it's on that. But anyways, I managed to find a bank that is for startups, an online thing. So I applied there, it worked. And then I started thinking, okay, how can I actually invest um, less, you know, cash? And I thought about that a lot, consulted with other lawyers, blah, blah, blah. So the key, maybe if someone is, you know, trying to do that, I'm telling you this for free, intellectual property. Mm. Because all those videos and ideas that I have done, they cost something, right? Yep. So um, I actually hired a company to, uh, you know, put a price on my films. That's awesome. That's dope. And That's a hack. They said it would cost, you know, the um, amount uh, is about $60,000. So I'm like, okay. That's a relief. Yeah. Um, I still don't know if it's going to work, but I think it will. Wow. Like, you That's just cool. have to make it work, yeah, I guess. Yeah, props to you for doing the research. That's cool. Thank you, yeah. I think research, like, on anything, like, on any project that you want to do even, it's so important. So. That's amazing. Dang. That's, uh, there's so many things that I want to, like, go into on that. They're just, I, I was just so tuned in to what you, your story and what you were saying that I'm trying to gather, like, <laughs> that works all on a podcast and I was trying to figure out what to say. I think one thing that came to mind just even since you hopped on the mic is uh you're willing to invest into traveling to places where you know there's opportunity mm -hmm. and i think it took me a while as a freelancer or as a business owner to realize that that when you invest into yourself in the right rooms um things are going to happen and i think it's cool to hear that a lot of your work is from you know the states canada uh because most people almost feel like they're in a box and I've had freelancers reach out to me before and they're like, there's no business in my city. Like it's too saturated. Well, what the frick? Like put your city on the map and then travel, go build like relationships. Yeah. So like you brought up Chelsea Kwai, you brought up Sam Colder. Like those are people that I feel like me and Ed have kind of had conversations with too over the years. 
and it's sweet because like you're not even like you were born in the u.s and those are people in the u.s that i have friends that would die to be in the same room as yeah but they're not willing to invest yeah it's pretty pretty interesting like just like what paul said as creatives we feel like we're in a box at times like we're just in our room in our home office trying to make six figures as a creative trying to think our way to success right like you're just trying to strategize all the business tactics all the strategies but to be honest like it's so valuable just to go out and travel go out and connect with people without like fully knowing exactly what's going to happen because great things will come from it just like you going to conferences in different countries to meet different people like paul and i we just went to LA to do mid combo, like a trip. And that was like out of our own dime. But like the rooms that we were in and the conversations we had, we know are going to like somehow pay us back later tenfold. And it's just creators don't get that. Like just investing into even a workshop and getting there and meeting the people at that workshop could in some sort of way pay you back later. But if you don't make any of those decisions, you're just always going to be in the box. Like your chances of succeeding are less now, you know, than just being exposed. Like it's a percentage game. Like if you expose yourself to more stuff, it's like averages, you'll have more chances at definitely. your name being thrown into something different. Mm. Yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. Like the earlier in your life or in your career, you learned that you have to invest in yourself and that's going to change things up for you. Um, whether that be like, and I don't mean gear, like, um, put that, the, like, this should be the last on your list, I think, although I'm a gear fanatic, but, um, hey. <laughs> Pauline, sorry, that's it. Hey, Pauline though, he's not, <laughs> he's still shooting on a T3. Yo, check out our episode on, uh, does gear really matter? <laughs> it's a good episode. It is. No, I mean, you can always rent for different projects, but what you, your knowledge and your experiences you can buy. So, and you can really put a price to so even that conversation that we're having right now, we wouldn't be having it if uh, I wasn't in the workshop and like on the freelance photographer, like you should establish personal connections with people um, if you want to, you know, be friends with them later. It doesn't just happen if you DM someone and you're like, hey, I really love your work. Let's do something together. Like that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. I, good. I personally found it so uh, inspiring when you were saying like all the struggles that you went through being in Bulgaria and where you were in Germany and just like the the struggle you're going through right now to try to land this work in America. And there's all these creatives in America that, I mean, this is a really insightful episode, episode for anyone who's international listening in. And also for people who are in America, it's like a huge 100%. perspective shift because yeah. people are complaining, like not getting work, all those things. But like the fact that you're in the States and you can get paid in that currency is like oh, you're already ahead of the game to be honest if you're trying to work with a u.s-based brand yeah. that has presence here and work on documentary films or like commercial like you already have the upper advantage on the rest of the world because you're in the country of where that brand that's, yeah, is that's facts. and like people don't get that that's already like the lottery ticket to mm -hmm. be born in america for that definitely so i think for me that's like a huge perspective shift like that's dang cool. i yeah. went from being like in a deficit to being grateful, you know? And like, I think that's really cool that you mentioned that and shared that struggle because not a lot of people will talk about, yeah, even currency exchanging. Like, you know, they, you're like, you're in Bulgaria and they're like, they're not willing to pay you like maybe the US money, even though you're working for a US brand on a commercial, like internationally, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, it really has been crazy. Like I've honestly um, been working with, you know, big brands, big names uh, and people are, 
asking me, well, how, like, you don't have a big audience on Instagram, like, how do you even do that? Um, so anyways, um, it's just um, difficult and it's definitely, you have more opportunities here. So having, you know, um, a U.S. company really opens doors because when they hear Bulgaria, again, they're um, skeptical. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but still, um, it's been hard because I do get all the t- ask all the time from you know when I do discovery calls with clients. So where are you based? And when they say, well, I travel there, I'm here, but you know I'm kind of all over the place. I really haven't exactly. I don't have an answer for that for myself. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, Traveling director, Philip. Yeah, because you're torn because the, I mean, you've mentioned the struggle of saying hey i'm from bulgaria yeah yeah yeah. you kind of want to put first that you have a company in new york and then if they don't ask where you're from better not say it because you know they're like just find it weird i want to pick this apart quick so you kind of share what it's like to be from bulgaria as a filmmaker um but like what is it like being a female filmmaker female entrepreneur Mm. in bulgaria like is it common to be a filmmaker or a director in Bulgaria? So Bulgaria as a country is small, like we are 7 million. Although, um, so the creative community is not so big, but there are, you know, uh, young people like me who are really into it and they're trying. In Sofia, there is actually a New York film set and sound stages is called Nubuyana and a lot of from the Hollywood movies actually get filmed oh, wow. there. Cool. So a lot of people work for that. But then the directors, uh, they're from the older generation, mostly men, you know, they have a degree and it's pretty hard to get into that. So you have to create opportunities for yourself. No one, you know, is going to offer you something. There's not going to be a handout. Yeah, exactly. And about being a woman in that industry, and I think in general, um, you know, that's kind of a global issue because the problem comes from, from uh, itself that we have to define it. We have to say female filmmaker. We don't say male filmmaker. We don't say male entrepreneur or boy boss, but we say girl boss and all that yeah. stuff. So society hasn't, you know, um, society defines that as atypical. Um, and yeah, and it's pretty hard. Um, being a woman in a leadership position, um, you're just not treated the same. And some of the brands I've worked with, um, they have, for example, the brand representative, he's a man in his 50s. And um, the arrogance that I've sent from that, like I'm hired as director, but then my vision and opinion doesn't matter. Like they just tell me you're going to do that. I receive like contracts that uh, I'm afraid to sign, honestly. Well, um, so it's been really hard to kind of prove to the world that you're worth it and your voice matters. Um, so I've had projects where they would uh, send a male supervisor um, just because, you know, someone who knows what they're doing should be on set. Wow. And I don't mean like a producer from the company. I mean a filmmaker who is not related to the company. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a hard um, topic to yeah, that's, unpack. It's real, and I feel like it's so ins- it's inspiring to have you on the podcast because I know there's a lot of female listeners and people that we rub shoulders with that are in the industry that kind of share how they're not taken as serious as a female entrepreneur. Or 
especially photographer, videographer, filmmaker. Um, and you're kind of paving that way and it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I applaud you for that. I'm curious, like, is it, what's the thing that you feel like has helped people take you more serious then? Is it your portfolio? Is it doing like personal projects that, you know, you can like add to your portfolio in order to like kind of balance it out? Is it your network? Is it a combination? Actually, it's probably going to surprise you if I tell you that uh, the more, the better my portfolio has become, uh, the less work I've been able to get. Mm. Just because um, now that you're so niche and, you know, people see the content like brands and they assume that this costs so much money to make. So they're like, okay, we want someone who can do less, wow. like on a lower level. Yeah. Um, I actually hired a contractor she's in canada and a very good friend of mine to send pitches um to brands so we've been sending like 50 a week or something 50 pitches a week yeah because i just don't have the time now because i'm managing the company i have like two employees but still you know i have to see what they're doing um but yeah anyways um it's just um sorry what was your question no, I, I think you said it you said that the more you post on your portfolio the less work you get yeah, so how I make them, um, you know, listen to me, Yeah, I yeah. Guess. Um, so you have to put boundaries and also be very direct in your communication. Wow. Like, sometimes I have the problem of being too kind and I'm like, oh, you know, yes, I understand that. Of course, no worries. We're going to fix that. You know, no. You have to act like you're the strong one in the room and just be like, learn to say no. Um, and basically just stand your grounds when they treat you uh like i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but like when they treat you like <laughs> um you don't remain kind like you have to express that they're yeah. treating you badly and uh you know you can't have a brand just saying we want really we really want to work with you can you you know um draw a couple of concepts and i do that and then they say we love the ideas and i'm like okay so like they're like we need that by the 1st of April, but after a week, they're like, oh, you know, actually, we don't have the budget for that. And I'm like, just mm. losing that time. And that happened twice in a recent communication with a client. And I was like, you know what? Um, I, I don't like that, um, you know, communication that we're having right now. And I want to understand what's the problem. Uh, because they expressed that we're not going to go forward with that concept. And I was like, tell me what exactly is the problem? I think I listened to you very well yeah and what you want and they're like oh actually it's not the concept that's the problem we just don't have the budget to prioritize that to prioritize that now and i'm like okay you're just saying a couple of different things yeah just, you're wasting my time exactly yeah. and just to make me feel bad because firstly they said it was yeah. a concept and it turns out it's them that's uh, yeah wow i give you props for like calling that out that you got to be direct in those situations because most people aren't willing to mm -hmm. and i feel like that's where people get taken advantage of and also like you've gotten your reps in and you've been able to get, get that experience. So your confidence on those calls, whether it's over a Zoom call or a phone call or even like over email is at a point where you can stand your own ground um, and you can kind of back it up and be like, you know what? No, this isn't it. Like this is the budget or we're not working together. Or hey, if you don't start communicating with me better, then we're not going to work together. That's good. Yeah, that's so fire. It's honestly really 
great advice for any start up and coming creative just because yeah it's true like i've been in also conversations earlier on where brands won't respect the creative as much and they'll say like oh actually like we're not going to move forward with this idea or we're you know like we actually decided to move in a different direction all, yeah. all those things right but then yeah. the thing is as a creative when you're early on and you're just like teetering on like your own confidence you're now feeling like dang was my idea whack or like is my work not good like my concept was it bad and you start to not acting in the same way you would exactly versus yeah like you said brands usually just either don't have the budget or the infrastructure but they don't want to take the fall that like mm-hmm. they didn't account for the budget and they don't want to be like oh we just don't have money so they put it on the creative so i think it's so valuable that you do that like hold your ground that's like a huge gem in my opinion of this episode for sure that's good yeah, you just start doubting yourself when mm-hmm. you are, especially in the beginning, and you hear all those no's, and you're like, okay, there must be something wrong with me. And about that confidence, actually, we were talking earlier that I'm an introvert, so that's been very hard for me. You know, before a call, you know, I put my glasses and I'm like, you know, okay, let's <laughs> do it. I just, I'm so anxious of talking. Yeah. Um, so it's really taken a lot of practice yeah. um, and effort to be, you know, stronger in those communications and yeah i'm sally i've allowed to be um you know used like i i've done a project i can't you know name which one but um the editing took uh, five months wow five months yeah because uh, the brand uh, representative and that's not the fault of the brand i think it's the representative like uh, we can't blame uh, the whole brand for that yeah yeah it's like the agency or the representative yeah Yeah. and there were just we went through 19 versions uh, because they just didn't know what they want and kept kept changing that and stuff and um at in the end i said okay you're using me and if this doesn't uh like stop i'm going to um call it up to to say online what's happening Mm mm-hmm just going to post everywhere i can yeah i'm gonna blow you up exactly i'm gonna expose you she said <laughs> exactly <Yeah. I> said. <laughs> tell me why i've been doing, like thinking about that sometimes <laughs> me too sometimes no it was just a lot wow um that's your, i'm tight by the way i'm exhausted just hearing i'm sorry that's a long editing 19 visions yeah in five months and actually the boss of that representative um mm-hmm he saw the email and you know he answered and he was very respectful after that because he knew like potential fire crisis averted (laughs) yeah so after that we only did one one another edit and we were done (laughs) i see you held your ground dude i'd be beefing after two revisions dude yeah that's crazy so i got a question for you has there been a personal project that you feel like has really helped you in kind of where you are today like, is there a spec project that you've done? Because me and Ed always talk about sometimes the spec works the best work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually second thinking my Nike spec shit on my website. I feel like brands be saying that and being like, damn, we can't work with Paul. Oh, true. <laughs> but yeah. no, that, so was, that was interesting. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm learning from you in that because I think there comes a point, if I can go back for a second, where when your portfolio looks freaking stacked, uh, yeah, you're not going to get reached out to as much. So maybe you find reps, maybe you find agents, maybe you find someone like you did that can help with sending out pitches, outsourcing that because your time can be spent in other areas. But has there been a personal project where you're like, this is one of my proudest projects I've done? 
Yeah, um, definitely. So like passion projects are just so important. Um, even forget about the portfolio. You just have to do something that is out of, you know, um, work related content just to be able to express what you truly want to put out in the world. So I think I do like one every year. Back in 2021, that was a Kyrgyzstan documentary I did. Wow. Um, and I just reached out to, you know, um, the um, travel tourism uh, board. Y- yeah, exactly. They didn't sponsor it. Like they took us around, but it wasn't like paid. I paid for my own flights and everything. Wow. And, um, I made this project like about the culture there and everything. Um, and when I would reach brands with that project later, they were just so amazed because it's something so different. Um, like who goes to Kyrgyzstan to film something like most people, I don't know, they hit Bali or Iceland. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, um, bro, not every creative wanting to go to Bali and Iceland. If I was listening to this right now and that was on my yeah. bucket list, that's I'd, a be like, job, I'd be like, that shot's fired right there. <laughs> Influencers in the wild. No, I also love those places. No, me too, me but, too. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And I think actually something that's really helped me when I write concepts or like treatments or ideas, you know, for brands is to think of it from a unique perspective. You just have to mix, you know, the common ingredients together just to make something unique. Yeah. So that's why the Corona doc was, um, I don't want to say so good because, you know, I've done it and it feels weird, but um, they liked it so much because, you know, we have a paraglider. There's probably documentaries on paragliding. There are probably documentaries about glass art, but there isn't a documentary that combines both. Wow. So you have to hit those spots. That's amazing. Yeah. Dang. Dude, there's so many good parts of this pot already. My follow-up question might, you, you can totally say no to this, but um, me and Ed on recent episodes with guests, we've asked, you know, has there been a project that was like an aha budget moment where you're like, dang, that budget though. Yeah, where you're like, this is the um, most amount of money I've ever and obvi- seen. Yeah, and obviously I know that you work with a crew for some of these shoots, but has there been a budget that was kind of an aha moment for you in your career? Yeah, definitely. Last year was, um, you know, the biggest year for me uh, when I managed to hit the six figures. Um, Thank you. Nice. But I'm aiming higher than that. Like, I really want more. Like, money is definitely a big motivator. So when you get a project that pays, you know, I don't know, multiple five figures and you're like, like yeah. when I think about my first, I don't know, photography gig that I did, I probably got, what, 50, 100 bucks? And like comparing Oh, I got that, a gift card, Starbucks gift card. I'm like, the <laughs> frick? <laughs> yeah, but you were still feeling so so good back then, yeah. you know, because you were doing something. And now if I was asked to do something like that, I probably wouldn't like. Yeah. So yeah, you when you start seeing those numbers and you're like, okay, there might be something in that. Um, so yeah, um, I definitely like my goal is to make this business like a multi-million business. I really want that. And I know it's going to take time and I have to, you know, stay patient and realistic. But my goal for this year is if I can hit like 200 or 250,000, that would be amazing. That's right. Um, yeah, because like my, my goal and for the future, like I'm 24 right now. So. Wow. What? that just caught me off guard low-key i knew you were like young and uh that's crazy yeah thank you um 
I mean, I'm still feeling kind of weird that I'm turning 25 in the summer. And, you know, I don't know, people kind of assume that after 25, you should start figuring things out. Anyways. <laughs> um, That's funny. So my goal is to kind of like, I don't know, in probably five years time to manage to step out of the business, like have a team that is able to handle, you know, the smaller, medium projects. And I just step in for the bigger ones because I really want to go into narrative. Um, I don't want to be doing commercials my whole life. And I have a screenwriting mentor. Um, he's called uh, Greg Rosati. So shout out to him. Awesome. Um, he writes, um, you know, films and series for HBO and, you know, such things. He actually helped me a lot with the Corona um, spot that we did. Wow. And we do a weekly call where, you know, we just talk about storytelling, building an arc, characters, you know, all those things that are very important um, in whatever type of content you're making. Yeah. And we are currently writing my first um, short narrative hey, film. That's so cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm very excited about that. Um, want to do like a feature next year if that happens successfully this year. And then one day do like a TV series for Netflix or something. And then I would say, okay, I've, I've made it in life. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why I feel like it's not far out to get like um, one of your projects on like Netflix. Dude, yeah. That's like, awesome. Can I just say like, that's why I love having these conversations with people in the podcast because we're recording cameras and audio. And like when that time comes and you do have your first like TV show, we'll have clip from years ago when you said wow i hope we could do that one day this is the intellectual property that we can sell yes <laughs> yes yeah Yo, the that. price went up on the podcast that was uh... <laughs> oh Full man. circle shoot okay so i think we should kind of wrap up the podcast around here i think it's a good like wrapping point is there anything that you any advice that you would give to maybe someone who's in their early 20s or just like even in their early in a creative journey where they feel like no clients, not sure what their official title is and just feel like they have all the cards stacked against them, which I feel like you maybe you come out of certain, you came out of certain situations like that. Do you have any advice that you'd give them? Yeah, there is actually a quote uh, by Alex Hormozzi. He's thinking- Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I think he said that on his podcast, uh, outwork your self-doubt. Um, and I think that's big and it really resonated with me because I used to, and I still do doubt myself a lot. Like, is this for me? Can I do that? But then, um, no matter how big, you know, the problem might be, just go step by step and it will all, you know, kind of fall into place. So just, you know, believe that it's going to happen. It's everything is possible. Like when you hear no, just it's possible. Like mm -hmm. everything can be done in this world. So, and keep pushing, like you have to um, be organized and just do work daily, like a little by little, like with workouts. Uh, you just don't do one and be done. You have to work out every day. Same with work. Uh, yeah. So I think those are my um, biggest, um, this is my biggest advice. And this is a cutie. No, that's Cypress, awesome. uh, Paul's dog just came into frame. Cypress. What's up, Cypress? Sam's waking up. What's up, B? No, that's so money, and I also love you. I just, like, have learned so much about you on this episode, even, like, that you listen to Alex Hermosi. That guy's a beast. <laughs> but, um, no, we really enjoyed you being on this episode, and I, I'm inspired. I mean, I'm, I'm taking away inspired, a lot of yeah. details, like, golden nuggets that you dropped. 
Where can people find your work? Where can people connect with you if they found value from this? Thank you very much, you too, firstly. It's been really an honor. Um, and about work, I think Instagram would be the best place to find me. I still haven't cleared, you know, just the Aya handle maybe one day, but lost in Aya land for now. Cool. That's where you can find me. Cool. That's awesome. We'll link it in the show notes if you guys in the yeah, description. What's, what's your website that we people can find you at too? Yeah, my website is at tentoldfilms.co or lostinisland.com. Yo, check it out. She just got her website updated. Dude, it's fire. It it's is fire. dialed. When, when Paul sent me, because I didn't know Aya beforehand, Paul was like, hey, we should have Aya on the podcast. She's going to be at the workshop. We just had a workshop yesterday in Miami with a bunch of people. And I was like, okay, let me check out her website. Saw it. And I was like, dude, this is sick. <laughs> There's like, so good. I was super inspired. And so I'm really glad you came on the podcast. And yeah, so many gems in this one. Yeah, thank you thank so much you. for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Thanks. And uh, also, Ed, shout out to our sponsors. <laughs> All right. So today's sponsor is uh, ourselves. <laughs> once, <laughs> one, once again. I love that. Once again. So if you're listening to this and you really want to help us uh, pay the bills, hit us up. Okay. <laughs>